This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, welcome back with Pastor Scott Huffman from Lighthouse Church Ministries. Today, Pastor Scott is talking about how to experience a table in the wilderness, or how to experience God's favor and blessing and destiny for your life, even in a desert or barren season. I think we can all relate to being in a wilderness time in our life. Maybe you're in one right now, but this is the time when the Lord is shaping you, molding you. You're going through the refiner's fire and the Lord promises that you will come out rejoicing and singing and you will never be the same. We hope that you're encouraged by today's message. Enjoy. You know, there's times in life when we find ourselves in a place that doesn't really make sense and we feel lost and confused. Have you ever been there? Yeah. It's called the wilderness, a place we don't always understand and have spiritual answers for in our situations. Listen to the lyrics of Christian songwriter Russ Taft in the song Table in the Wilderness. He wrote the song in 1991. There's a table in the wilderness where the blind can see and the poor possess, where the weak are strong and the first ones last. There's a table in the wilderness, there's a table in the wilderness where the blessed sing of his tenderness, where the lame can walk and the weary rest at the table in the wilderness when you search so hard for the promised land but the earth won't yield to your blistered hands you hang your head and you wipe your brow and you shout it out shout it out all are welcome living water come and find peace come find life come find rest there's a table in the wilderness you know i want to talk about three things the wilderness the table and him who's him that's Jesus. <laughs> Let's begin with what is the wilderness from a symbolic meaning. Best definition is the desert or wilderness is a place of barrenness and loss. And as believers, we all go through those times. You know, I've always loved the desert. It was in, a, it was in Palm Springs on a balmy night at age 14. I stumbled into a makeshift coffee house and met Jesus for the first time in my life. I confessed my sins and I was washed by the blood of Christ, and I was made brand new. Jesus formed a table in the wilderness for me. The desert is usually hot, arid, still, and yet majestic. It can stretch for hundreds of miles in all directions, vast and spread out. And yet the desert can bloom with the flowers of beauty of purple, yellow, white, and red. You see, the desert has water, but you just can't see it very much because it's underground. Here are three truths about the wilderness. The desert is lonely and solitary. Great men and women of God many times walk alone in the wilderness because they must be set apart for the master's work. You must walk the desert alone for the most part, even if there's people around you. Number two, the desert is necessary. Clay must be formed in the potter's hand. The wilderness is a place where prophets are formed, purged, developed, and made into mighty men of God for his kingdom and his purpose. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness. Let's look at Exodus 2.15. And uh, when you say wilderness, it makes me think of that um, road trip we, we took to the, um, the Dead, Dead sea, sea. And we were out in the Israeli wilderness. We were in the wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> there were Bedouins out in the desert, and that's about all there was there. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so verse 15. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the, from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. That's a little background on this backstory. Moses uh, defended his people. He realized he was Jewish. He grew up in Pharaoh's court. He was educated with the finest education. But he was truly a Hebrew. And uh, he defended a Hebrew being beaten by an Egyptian. And he killed the Egyptian with his own hands suggesting that Moses was quite a strong, powerful man. But uh, then his own countrymen didn't understand uh, why he would do that. And so Pharaoh got involved and sought after his life. And so what did Moses do? He fled. Sometimes you got (laughs) to (laughs) flee. Joseph fled when he's being pursued by Potiphar's wife. And he went out into the wilderness. God drove him into the wilderness. Now let's read chapter 3, 1 and 2. Okay. Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, a mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. So he comes to Mount Horeb, the Mount of God. You know, we have Saddleback Mountain over here in Orange County. I always call it the Mount of God. And we're very close to it. We keep getting closer and closer to it. And it's symbolic for me of the place where Moses went into the very presence of God. And there he encountered the burning bush. And yet the bush burned, but it wasn't consumed by the fire. And there God spoke to Moses, and Moses met God face to face. And the Lord said, take off your shoes for the place you are standing on his holy ground. And he hid his face from God. Praise God. Did you read verse 6? No, not yet. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. I've got an opportunity in March. um, I don't know if it'll be viewed by everybody, but I'm going to go on a TV network and we're going to preach to um, 150 nations of the world. I'm going to talk about the spiritual revival coming upon planet Earth. And uh, it's going to be on King Television. I'll be interviewed by a Pakistanian pastor. Praise God. So we look forward to that coming up as well. Okay. Now, number three, the wilderness is temporary. Isn't that good news? (laughs) It won't last forever, guys. If you're in the wilderness today, you probably won't be in there tomorrow. Maybe not literally tomorrow, but it won't last forever. Let's look at 1 Peter 5.10. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, and strengthen, and settle you. You say, Pastor, why do I have to suffer? (laughs) Well, Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Did Jesus suffer? Theological question. Absolutely. And if he suffered, then we ought to suffer with him. Amen. Mm -hmm. But in our sufferings, he delivers us. He restores us. He perfects us. And he shapes us and molds us into his very image. Now let's look at the table. We've looked at the wilderness. Now let's focus in on the table. Don't you love God's table? One day we'll all sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb with our true King and Savior, the Lord Jesus, the love of our lives. The table is a place of provision. Everybody say that. A place of provision. Let's look at 1 Kings 17, 6 through 9. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and the Who's bread... He? Oh, uh, Elijah. Elijah. So Elijah has <laughs> spoken to the king. He said, hey, Ahab, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. Got to go. <laughs> and he left. And he fled. 
And he went out to the Brook Cherith. And there at the Brook Cherith, God commanded. I love that. God mm-hmm. commanded the ravens to feed him. Go ahead, Kelly. Okay, so the ravens brought him bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And as it happened after a while that the brook dried up. Because Stop there. there had been no now the brook dried up. Sometimes we go, Lord, what happened? The brook dried up. Something stopped flowing. And when the brook dries up, God is moving. The glory cloud is moving you to another place in time and space. Praise God. Continue. Okay. Um, so it dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then, um, then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, Sidon and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Amen. And there he goes to Zarephath, and this widow is about ready to eat her last meal and die, her and her son. And uh, she has a little bit of oil in the jar and a little bit of flour in the bin. Let's read what the man of God said. Okay, in 14 it says, For thus says the Lord of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends the rain. Wow, what a powerful word. But what did Elijah say first to do with that last morsel of food? Feed him. Feed the prophet first. Yeah. And we're to uh, give unto the Lord's work and uh, uh, provide funds for the work of the ministry. And as we do that, God blesses our seed and we increase in our provisions and our abundance. Praise God. You know, the table, it's a place to feast and experience God's joy and peace in the midst of confusion, loss, doubt, and pain. The table is an extravagant, now listen to this, display of God's grace and goodness poured out in your life. Don't miss that grace. David wrote about it in Psalm 23, 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Wherever you go, I don't care if you go to Target, you go to Safeway, or wherever you go, goodness and mercy follows you. Because you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now we look to him, the one who prepares a table in the wilderness. He's the good shepherd who cares for his flock one by one and pours in the oil and wine to minister and strengthen and bless. Now we want to look at Genesis 28, 28 through 30, the story of Jacob wrestling with this mysterious man by the riverbanks. Well, I'll give you a backstory. Okay. So here's Jacob. And uh, he's fleeing from Esau, his brother. His brother wants to kill him because Jacob uh, tricked him and stole his birthright. And Esau is a man of war and he's coming after him. And this is uh, the night before he was going to uh, have to encounter Esau, his own brother. Uh, what a tragic story it, it happened at this point or occurred at this point. And he met this mysterious man standing by the riverbank. That is Jacob. And uh, Jacob, by the way, is you found it. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go ahead okay. and read. Um, Genesis 32. Um, and then we can start in um, verse um, uh, 20, 22. Oh. Wrestling with God. 22. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And he arose in the night and took, um, well, actually, I'll skip down. Yeah. Jacob was alone and a man, capital M, wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now, when he, the man, saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of um, his hip was out of joint. So now, now here's a really weird case where this guy shows up. Dude, what are you doing here? And Jacob starts wrestling. They just intuitively begin to wrestle instinctively, 
and they wrestle all night long, you know. The Bible says we'd wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in the spiritual realm. But in this case, this man was wrestling with Jacob. And the weird thing is Jacob was winning the wrestling match. <laughs> and this man was no ordinary man. This was Jesus appearing in a human form, a Christophany, the Bible calls it, or a theophany, God taking on a human form. How Jacob was winning, I have no idea. But uh, he was winning the match. Go ahead. Yeah. And what happened? So um, he wrestled with him, and then he, the man, touched his hip, and it went out of socket. Right. And so he said... Um, I will not go unless you bless me. Right. So Jacob, what he wanted now was the blessing of God. You know, if you really want the blessing of God more than anything else in your life, you'll get it. Amen. Mary and I used to go to churches way when we were young and just early married. We would go to churches and simply ask the pastors and apostles and prophets to pray for us, lay your hands on us and bless us in the name of the Lord. We want the blessing. That's all we want. Yeah. We don't want things. We want the blessing of God. For the blessing of God maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Amen. And we would just ask that the blessing would come upon us. And I got a word from the Lord one day that said, the Lord says, uh, God's blessing, my blessing is upon you. I've granted you that desire of you to receive the blessing from me. So there God blesses Jacob, and he changes his name from deceiver, heel catcher, to what? Israel. Israel, which means prince of God. And from then on, he walked with a limp. So Israel, or Jacob, walked with a limp after this incredible wrestling match. And he said, I have met God face to face, and I have survived. <laughs> Praise God. Dress up your table and lock and let God prepare you a feast of grace and blessing that overflows into abundance. So, you know how women like to do the tablescape and get their tables all nice for holidays and special occasions, or in, today would be the Super Bowl, maybe. Um, you prepare the table, get this now, by faith. By faith, you say, Lord, I'm preparing a table. I'm in the wilderness, but I'm going to prepare a table. Now you fill that table with all the goodness that comes from you and all the grace that's being poured out. And God will fill up that table miraculously, just as Amen. he provided for Elijah. Yeah. Let's look at John seven thirty-seven and 38. On the last day with that great day of fe feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow, flow rivers of living water. See, this is the gospel, guys, right here. This is so important. The last day of that great feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, where the priest came and spilled water on the steps of the temple. It was symbolic of Jesus and the everlasting water that would be poured out for us. And Jesus said, if you're thirsty, if you're too spiritually, truly spiritually thirsty, come unto me and drink. And out of your innermost being, really the word is belly, out of your spirit would flow rivers, would gush torrents of living water. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit that would soon be given. And we, as we receive the living water, it flows out of us like a gushing river. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, we're about to start a new church on Easter Sunday, as yeah. Ke Kelly mentioned, in Irvine, California. Actually, it'll be April 9th. It will be called, still will be called Lighthouse Church. The Lord gave me that name, Lighthouse years ago right after actually yeah right after we'd been married he said you're going to have a church i want you to call it lighthouse church it'll be a great light on the west coast in the usa 
It'll shine all along that coast. And it'll be a place where the word of God is preached. And they'll come to the coastlines to hear the word of God and be changed and experience the glory and power and presence of God. And then I'll send those lighthouses all around the world and plant churches throughout the whole world of people preaching and teaching the good news of the gospel. Hallelujah. So please pray for us in this new venture of faith. Now, I want to share a prophecy the Lord gave me a few weeks ago concerning this adventure we're about to take on. And this is what the Lord showed me. Now, I didn't see it physically with my physical eyes. I saw it with my spiritual eyes in my mind. And I saw myself running around a track in a race, the 400-meter dash. And I was coming around the last curve with a baton in my hand. And my legs were strong. And I was coming towards the finish line. And as I entered that last leg of the race, I heard the crowd cheering. But it wasn't coming from the stands, the stadium. It was coming from heaven. Heaven was cheering me on to finish the race, to finish the course. And I heard the cheering. And the crowd was loud. But it was coming from heaven. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly. He said, you're in the final stage of your preparation for the ministry I've called you to into these last days to help change the world forever. Now you're going to enter in, son, to that calling that I spoke to you so many, many years ago. You're now finally going to enter into it. Praise God. Thank you for the word of God (laughs) and the prophetic word. God does prepare a table in the wilderness until his purposes and work is complete. And then he will continue that work through and in us. Praise God. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to the message with Pastor Scott Huffman from Lighthouse Church Ministries. You can watch the broadcast live every Sunday at 1030 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Facebook and Instagram. And very exciting, we're moving to the city of Irvine. Our first Sunday service will be on Easter Sunday. You want to check us out if you're in the area. Visit our website at lighthouseworldwide.org. Blessings, and we'll see you next time. 